everyone, and welcome to what is a wee bonus podcast at the end of the year, um, where I'm going to talk to this gentleman on my left, if you're watching on Zoom, Andy Braidwood, how are you doing? Hi Ali, I'm very well, I'm in my workshop tonight because it's the only quiet place I can find where I'm not getting uh, moved around and uh, so forth, so yeah, it's nice and peaceful in here. It is, it sounds peaceful if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's good to see you. And the reason we're doing this is because earlier in the summer when we were all um, stuck down for the first time, lockdown, I should say, for the first time, um, you and I did our um, look back at some kind of musical memories from the 80s onwards to the present mm -hmm. day. And we thought that we would uh, reconvene once more uh, to do our year in culture, if you like, and the things that we've really enjoyed um, and have kind of kept us sane during this uh, mad, mad year. Um, first of all, um, how are things with you? Things are actually okay. You know, you're, you're, you're quite right. Um, it's been, obviously, you know, everyone's had a strange year and um, a, lots of things that have kept me, I, I found myself going back to stuff and rereading stuff and re-listening, you know, like almost like a comfort blanket, you know, just to reassure yourself that, you know, this is it's all going to be all right sort of thing. I think that's interesting. We might talk about that later with some of the reissues, um, album reissues of the year. Mm -hmm. I think there's been that idea of comfort nostalgia, no mm -hmm. doubt about it, about going back and, and, and revisiting things that have meant a lot to us in the past, almost as a kind of time travel, get out of the place you're in and take you back to a, a kind of warmer and more comforting place. Absolutely. Well, and let's pack on with our, uh, what we're going to do is have 10 uh, choices each of our, uh, to talk about, um, I'll be interested to see what they are. So let's crack on. Andy, what's your first uh, choice of um, your highlight, one of your highlights of the year? Okay, was it something that's, it was just at the start of lockdown, well, just quite fresh into lockdown, um, Brian Sweeney had decided to, or Friar Brian Sweeney had uh, decided to, uh, his photography, for those of you that don't know, he's a photographer uh, based, based in Glasgow, yes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the work dries up as soon as you're all locked down and all that for everyone, and, and especially creative industries, but pretty much everyone, um, uh, the work just gets switched off like a tap. So um, he decided to embark on his lockdown portraits and um, going around um, by himself, socially distancing from everyone, of course, and uh, taking pictures of people in their windows and in their in their door frames. Yes, my one. You look very uh, learned in that one. Uh, well, you know. Um, that's me hanging out my, my window. This is what he did, wasn't it? It was yeah. Well, I've, I've got mine here, as if by magic. Excellent. That's, that's our one, which I really love. And I mean, you'd you'd go a long way to get a better family um, document than that. Oh, he's a tremendous photographer. Ah, absolutely. Well, I've been following everything he does, and really, uh, there's a recent um, uh, portfolio of uh, songbirds, I think, and it was mm. absolutely stunning. You know, absolutely stunning work. But these things, as a document, you know, to, to, to look back on this in 20 years' time, or, you know, if we're lucky enough to do all that, um, what, what a document to have of that particular time. And, and, I've, and I've gone through them all. You can get them on, you can, you can view them on uh, Last Night for Glasgow's page somewhere, can't you? Or you can at least get the link uh, from Last Night from Glasgow. And um, 
you can see all of them. It's just a fabulous project. And as you say, he went everywhere. He went all around the country to uh, mm. to photograph people. And you mentioned last night from Glasgow. This came off the back of the first thing that I want to talk about, which is their album, The Isolation Sessions, which I have yes. made elsewhere. But I think, if I'm right, I am right. It has got some other examples on the... In the oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Some of them on that, but there's many, many, many more. Um, so if you can view all of them, it'd be great. But this album, um, which kind of sparked the idea in Brian that he was going to go and take uh, pictures of people in situ, um, came out March. Um, the idea was early March, and then they did it over March and April, all done, you know, during lockdown. And mm. it, the very kind of simple but genius, often the best ideas are, are simple. And it was mm. that... Um, Bands and musicians who are signed to Last Night from Glasgow would cover tracks from other bands and musicians who um, are signed a, to Last Night from Glasgow. So you've got um, Cloth doing Annie Booth, you get Lola and Slacks doing uh, Broken Chanter, um, you've got Biz doing, um, oh, I've forgotten their name now. And you have, oh, Slime City, sorry, complete, and vice versa, by the way, Slime City covering Biz. And well, you can go and find out for yourselves. If you go to last night from Glasgow, um, this was to raise money um, for a, the artists and well, for venues, really, venues and record stores affected by the first lockdown. And 23 artists recorded each other's songs for the unique snapshot of unprecedented times. It's, I mean, alongside the photographs, Sweeney's photographs, this is almost the one of the definitive um, releases of uh, this year. And again, people will look back on it and and uh, just see why it was released um, and the effect that it had as well. Because I think it, it was that perfect thing uh, which has run throughout the year of music being made, having to be made by the people who do make it and also giving sucker to the people who listen to it. So last night from Glasgow, you know, they were involving their members and the musicians and they've always been that kind of um, gang feel about them, you know, that you belong. And I think that just strengthened it completely. It was a yeah. great thing to do. Uh, yes, it was. Even, even I'm sure, uh, the, the, the photography uh, project uh, just seemed to um, bring everyone together. You know, you're part of this uh, support network almost for for creative things happening and uh it, it, it's it's nice to be involved anyway yeah and, and they have to say throughout the year they were doing things they managed to put pretty much the only gig in town on in the summer That's before right. everything worsened again um at swg3 and are already planning kind of online stuff uh going forward and you know uh, all more power to them more power to them Okay, Andy, your next uh, choice. Right. Well, well, running on from things vinyl, I um I got a record player for the first time. Actually, it's my only record player I've ever bought because I always used yours or dad's. So uh, last year or the year before, but then really got the bug during lockdown, probably mm -hmm. because you had time to to surf the internet and 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 then got the. The, the the 12 inch remix bug um from they tend to be from about 85 to 89 that kind of thing 
I've not not for my um, choice, but it's just the, what I've noticed. So obviously, you know, I, I started off with my my beloved big country and started getting all the, oh, you know, trying to hunt down the Canadian version and the, you know, and all that because you get an extra song or it's mixed ever so slightly differently or mastered and it and it got a bit silly. Also, one of my other super favorite bands from the eighties is All About Eve, and. Uh, I went a bit mad and got got like lots of ones with free posters and uh, uh, this one is Road to Your Soul. It's a cracking, cracking good tune, Ali. But yeah. um, it's not even been opened, <laughs> so you know that's uh, that's how mental it got at that point. Um, so and I know you at the time you 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 were buying a. 80s uh, remixes and what I liked about the 80s remixes is it was in the days before um, Logic and um, that you know the, the software the the DAW software yeah. and so you couldn't cut and paste it well you you had to physically cut and paste you know or you would physically cut bits out and glue them tape them back together um, and so the the remixes are so fresh to hear songs that you know very well just spread out and let run and uh, outros let run for another two minutes etc so I've been having a wheel of a time with all that um, and it's incredibly self-indulgent and my family hate me <laughs> well what i would say about that andy because um you got me quite a few 12 inch uh, exams for my birthday and some of them are great but some of them aren't so great you know there are ones where, the uh, but, well, no 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 i'm not saying those ones in particular i mean 12 inch uh-huh. reminded me that uh-huh. there was that boost in the 80s in particular the early to mid 80s you know um it was a for many record companies it was another way to fleece your music fan, you know? A classic example was Ang Tum Tum, particularly with Frankie Goes to Hollywood, where yes. like every week there'd be another 12-inch release. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes with, like, I had one which had the, an interview with a the three, you, you know, the guys who basically couldn't play, Ped, Mark, uh-huh. and I forget the other guy, you know, who were just like, oh, it was at Christmas time as well. So you The notorious Christmas interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name's Peds and I wear kicks and me look as though I earn a packet. Apologies for my But um, I can still remember it. But looking back, and it reminded me that there was, it was another way, I mean, record companies always find a way to do this, is, um, oh, Crisp Keith, oh. you be here. Um, always find a way to kind of squeeze the record fan even more. And they do it, you know, to, to this day. Uh, not every label, I should say, but usually the big labels. And I think with the 12-inch uh, phenomenon, for instance, I love the Hipsway 12-inch with the remixes. Wow. That it really changes the song. And there's loads that I love. But um, some of them, you went, you've just done this to basically get people buying, you know, to keep your single at the top of the charts. Six versions of It's Tricky by Run DMC. Yeah, actually yeah. quite good, um, but I know what you're saying. It's like who needs six six uh, versions of it? But yeah, the, the, some the, of them are great. Ones, some of them are really good. But uh, listening to them all through, you think, well, oh, this is a bit much. Things like these are really like they're kind What's of hard that to for people that are listening. They're like ten inch versions with your extra picks and all that kind of gear. I oh, I love all that kind of stuff. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, I, and you know that's that's who they're for. But uh, mm. you know, a good example, I suppose, would be the fact that you'll have all the color um, editions of the crossing. 
Red, gold, and blue. Yeah, uh, sorry, red, green, and blue. Yes, of course. Yeah, um, and I know there are different tracks on uh, on some of them, but you know, you do think. Oh, those are all the same. They're just they're all the same. Are they? They are all the same. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but um, particularly, big country got caught with that because they did bring in a rule because they the record companies were producing gatefold version, free poster version. Da, da, da. So they brought in a rule that you weren't selling the same record over and over and over in different boxes. Yeah. And Big Country gets stung with that by a record. I think it was called Fragile Thing. And it was all to do with the way that the, the um, product stations of folding out CD jewel boxes or something. It was Anyway, it, it all kicked off a Big Country camp. That's all I'm saying. And uh, anything else you want to say about your 80s 12-inch mixes? Or are you happy for me to... No, no, you prattle on, Ali. I, okay. I, uh, I, I, uh, no, I'm fine. Since you are having a beer, well, let's take a break. I want you to make the choice for me about what I'm going to have as my beer of the evening to see what the likes. I've got, I've got crunch peanut butter milk stout, mm -hmm. or I've got just something that's simply called siren calypso, which is a dry hopped sour. I want you to have the peanutty one. Yeah, I thought you might. Let's have a go. Crunchy, crunchy. crunchy. I hope not. Anyway, it doesn't sound very. I tell you, I had a really stinky beer the other day. Oh, it's properly peanutty, Andy. Uh huh. I had one in my advent calendar, and it was a salted caramel shortbread, millionaire shortbread flavored stout. Right. My could I couldn't drink it, guys. You know. I have to say, one of the things. This is a little aside that has as I have developed during uh, this year is trying all the different types of beer. And doing my little beer reviews on Instagram. It's research. Yes, yeah, research. Absolutely yeah, exactly. valid research. And now I have a friend who is going to be Bremar Brewing Company. .co.uk. Um, it's completely even at breakfast. Right, kids? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we have to taste it, see it's right before it goes in the kegs. Yeah, kegs, right enough. Kegs, old man's okay. kegs. So um, I'm going to go back to the start of the year before we were locked down to remember the Glasgow Film Festival, which suddenly seems much more important than ever. Um, they're going to do it next year, um, but I think it's all going to be online. Uh, in fact, I know it is because I've had put in the press pass for it. I Actually, before I say that, I'd forgotten about Celtic Connections. It's kind of gone straight out of my head because of everything. But... Glasgow Film Festival, one, it had um, Peter Mackie Burns' second feature was at it, which uh, was great to see Peter's um, latest film. Um, and it's a gorgeous film. It's called Rialto, set in Dublin. And we talked about it, talked about nearly everything I'm about to speak on, on our Best Films of uh, 2020 podcast, which you can check out. They also showed um, the film version of The Sopranos, um, Alan Warner's Sopranos, not the television programme. Um, which was about, I think it's called Our Ladies. Um, but uh, it's about the band, the, the choir who are from Oban, all girls choir who go and ha wreak havoc in Edinburgh and they've got to get back to the pub, the, the man trap uh, bar or club in uh, Oban to uh, complete the night. It's a, it's a gorgeous film. It's not had a release yet for obvious reasons. So when it does, I would certainly check that out. But the Glasgow Film Festival, it's a, it, I love it as a festival. It's so well curated, so well run, so accessible. Um, I did a podcast with the two of the um, people who organised it, and it was just so interesting to get their insight into not just this festival, but previous ones they'd worked on. And um, it's, yeah, I cannot wait to... The last film I saw, I think, was um, Flint, which was Anthony Baxter's film about the water 
a, a problems in Flint, Michigan, terrible um, problems which are still being felt today. But it was in a packed GFT. So you mm. were literally cheek by jowl with everyone and folk were sitting yeah. even on the steps. It was so busy because there was a Q&A afterwards. The very thought. The very thought, I know. But it was fabulous. And I cannot wait for the days where we can do that again because I don't feel comfortable enough at the moment. But the days of going to a packed, small, independent cinema and festival and just enjoying what's on offer, I think it's going to seem more special than ever. If we ever took it for granted, I don't think we will again anytime soon. I hope not. Okay, Andy, what's your next choice? Right, I have down here, and I know you'll, you, I'm hoping you'll know quite a lot about this as well, because it's new to me, and believe it or not, I, it, one of the things to do with this year is I've been going back and listening to the music that I feel happened, and I it just passed me by. Uh, for, for the podcast listeners, Ali's made a curious face while sniffing his uh, peanut beer there. I'm not, oh, I'm not convinced at all. No, I'll, give, I'll give it a review in a bit, but on you go. Okay. That's that uh, sponsorship deal blown out the window, man. Right. Um, so, yes, records that I'd missed while growing up. And I think I, I and, and people talk about all the time. So I went back and listened to a lot of Bowie because... I know you, you you quite like Bowie growing up, you know, but I, I missed the, missed the uh, I, I don't know what was it, listen to Adam Ant probably or something, you know what I mean, something more age appropriate. I think the problem uh, was in the 80s, he wasn't going through his best time. And, and even in the 90s, he wasn't particularly going through his best time musically. I think he would say that. I mean, I did love um, Let's Dance. I think it's a cracking album. Even the Jet albums were good. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 yeah. and I, there was always there's always something of interest with Bowie. I love Blue Jean, and all the kind of even his so-called failures were very yeah. interesting. You know, tonight he's got um, Gilbert and George doing the album cover. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's always always of interest. However, I can understand maybe why you didn't particularly want to get into this. Who would have looked like an old guy basically at that time? <laughs> time I but I went back and listened to a whole bunch of that. Um, um, most of it actually I went back to right back to the first record, the second record and the, you know, the dancing gnome and all that kind of yeah. stuff which I actually quite like um, right up to the sort of mid 80s is where I kind of stopped because I kind of caught, caught myself, yeah. you know what I mean um, the other one was Kraftwerk uh, I went back because I'd missed Kraftwerk apart from uh, Mr. Gavin Templeton uh, and, and Norrie Mortimer giving you a cassette back in the day, God oh, bless no, no, Very much um, great cassette from the great Norrie Yeah, Mortimer. with Autobahn on it. So Autobahn was my only reference point to um, Kraftwerk, so um, I bought uh, almost all their sort of main uh, albums and um, Gosh, what else did I do? Oh, the other one I found was Misplaced Childhood. That's the main one, because that fits into kind of how I was feeling during all this lockdown. I thought, that's Marillion. Yes, of course, Marillion. And uh, I don't know how I'd missed that, Ali, because it was a huge single. Kaylee was a huge, huge single. I think, because I had the first two albums and was a bit of a fan of Marillion earlier on when it was all dark and weird and uh, proggy. You know, um, I even had the the twelve inch of Market Square Heroes um, live. You know, and then it, but I think it, they maybe lost a few fans when it became just a bit poppy. I guess maybe not. not it's not really poppy. Kaylee's an amazing song, but yeah. I, when I, and I was quite young and you know huh. easily swayed. 
So I think sure. like, oh, they're on top of the pops, are they? Then I'm not gonna, you know, that stupid kind of thing that you would do. But, well, it was that because you had the other like it bites and people like that that were doing kind of pop prog, I suppose. Yeah. Anyway, all that aside, and and that's probably why I didn't get into it because I thought at the time it probably wasn't for me. But I I, I got a copy of uh, Misplaced Childhood, and oh man, I just listened to it for days on end, you know, with on my headphones during my dog walk. And I thought, I'm glad I didn't find this when I was younger because I think it would have affected me too much, you know? I um, think it's almost the perfect age because this was, most of it would have been written, not all of it, but most of it would have been written by Fish, Derek Dick himself. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, he would have been getting older and looking back on that childhood. And that's really, I think, uh, when it's a really affecting album. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, anyway, kids, bang out this week. Right up to date with the misplaced childhood, but it is it's a cracking it's a cracking record if you missed it, and I will champion the mid eighties prog rock any day. Well, I will we will bring it kicking and screaming up to date because I want to talk about a couple of bands who released things this year who um you've had up uh, playing at the gallery because as uh, yeah. regular listeners will know, Andy puts on gigs at his gallery, and there was a few folk that had uh, releases this year. If I can just find some of them. Starting with um, our mutual friend Warren McIntyre and Starry Skies, Do yeah. It With Love, which is a phenomenal album of just kind of classic, um, mature pop music. I think I may, maybe called it Timeless at the time, and I think that's true. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a great I've got a collection of songs. Have you listened to it much? Uh, I have, yes, because he, 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 um, Warren sent me up a sort of a, a, you know, a download of it, um, and uh, I had to listen to it before it came out, and uh, yeah, it was it was great, and I, I got to hear bits of it as it was being done, which was quite nice. So yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, um, like you say, it, it sounds incredibly mature. I, I don't mean that as in like an, an old, just an older head and an older shoulder. Uh, and and uh, no, it's I, reflective. I mean, talking about misplaced childhood, it's reflective as well. Oh. It's uh, keeping positive, but it's got some, um, you know, melancholy there as well. Um, it's a great band. Starry Skies are always a great band. It's fantastically made and produced and engineered. And I think I one get, of the things, uh, sorry, Ali, I think one of the things was uh, uh, from speaking to Warren, he wanted to write love songs, but these love songs were appl- applicable to you could you could sing them to your dog or you could sing them to your son or you could sing yeah. to your granny you know that you can actually read those love songs as anyone that ever meant anything to you he's very good at packaging that up into a song you know those feelings very good at that and, uh, i think that's what he's done very well on that yeah yeah and um i know they did a, a live launch um uh, recently online but i was thinking of all the bands well, no, I'm not going to say of all the bands, but so many bands, and you know, you you might have had up at the gallery who couldn't play live this year. It's a shame because the I actually saw some of these some of these songs being played again just before we locked down in the mm. Dublin Bar in uh, in Glasgow, where Murray Easton put on a, a gig um, with Warren. Um, and you know, he's someone who just loves playing live and just loves playing the music and having the musicians around him as well. It's almost the reason that he does it. So I'm hoping in the new year that he'll be able to kind of show these songs off to their full glory. Warren always says, um, 
he surrounds himself with very very good musicians and he's very he's very good himself but he doesn't like to uh to blow his own trumpet but he, he does have good musicians too another couple of people who released um material this year that you had up at the gallery are mark w johnson oh, and yeah. he came up and he played. In fact, he introduced us basically to Barry yeah. James. That's Barry's yeah. album, Psychedelic Soup, which is a brilliant record. It is. Uh, and again, I just feeling for these artists that you just want. I, I saw Barry played uh, either at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year, in the uh -huh. third note. Just him and his guitar to, in the small basement room there. Ah, it was just magical, you know. He's one of these people that music just seems to come out of his pores. Uh -huh. And two nicer people you couldn't meet, you know, they're just absolutely, you know, they're really lovely men as well. Do you know what I mean? They're just really lovely guys. So, uh, but yes, uh, Barry just seems to, everything, he, it's one of those people, the music is better for him being in the room, if that's not being so, you know. Yeah. He just seems to make everything fit together better, you know. And uh, I think Mark's got a release coming out on New Year's Eve. I think that's right. Uh, right. which I hope it does. But yeah, just, I guess I wanted to look at the people that we missed this year, not being able mm -hmm. to see them. There's far too many to, uh, to to talk about here. But um, I thought we could, you know, at least mention a few of them that had played up in the gallery and hopefully yeah. it won't be too long before we can do those kind of things uh, again, including I think the next person you're going to talk about. Yes, indeed. Well, well that's right, because we're keeping all the dialogue going with, with the acts and also some of their managers and so forth. And um, so um, we're missing not having Jenny Sturgeon at the, the gallery this year. Uh, we had planned, hey, snap, we're both holding up pictures for the listeners uh, of the album. Oh. Um, so um, we already had this booked up to come uh, and play over at the, we were going to do it in the village hall alley because I right. think the room here is too small. And I think the take up for this would be um, big because it's based on uh, Nan Shepherd's uh, Living Mountain book. And uh, Jenny's written um, this whole album based uh, as a response to not only reading that, uh, I'm telling you this, you know, because you've done a podcast on it. So yes, little, listeners can scroll down and listen to Ali's podcast and interview with Jenny uh, if they need to. But um, this is a response to her not only uh, reading the book, but having a love for the Cairngorm Hills where she was lucky enough to grow up near and her dad would take her out walking and so forth. So it's a reflection on all of that. And, uh, and I'm lucky enough to live in the area uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's a beautiful area. And this record kind of is like a soundtrack to, you know, if you, if it's like a soundtrack to the, the Cairngorms, it's absolutely stunning. And uh, it is absolutely stunning. And it's also called uh, The Living Mountain. And it's, uh, she did a series of whole stuff. For her. In fact, Jenny um, really kind of embraced the restrictions, if you like, thought, well, what could I do? So she did a whole series of podcasts, which are really worthwhile checking out. Mm -hmm. um, to collaborate, talking to the people that she collaborated with for the album. Mm -hmm. The album itself is just a stunning piece of work. As you say, it's like a soundtrack to, I mean, I'd love to, and eventually we will, is um, a, stick it on my phone and wander around uh, the hills and just have this, uh, you know, soundtrack going on because you do 
get the um, the the running of the water and the bird song, yeah. all of that kind of stuff is involved in it. And that, I mean, people have been doing that, of course, over a long period of time. But sure. now, maybe with the fact that uh, the recording equipment is so good and strong, you get incredible right. results. Well, the, the, she had a, a couple of field re recording uh, people, Jez Riley French, who comes up to Cairngorms quite a lot uh, to do a thing called Murmuration. They base it at Glen Shee and, and uh, Chris Watson was came up as well uh, for that. I, and I'd meant to go, but it didn't work out. Anywho, they, they come up and record and go on, on, on uh, field trips and make recordings. So they're, they're like the top of the game, these guys. And uh, so to weave those field recordings into the album seemed to make complete. I don't know why more people don't. I suppose more people are doing it now, you know, because like you say, it's easy to go out with a handheld uh, recording device and do it. But to weave that into the to the album is uh, is quite powerful. Um, she also worked with my friend Rory Dowling, who owns Taran Guitars, and. Jenny had said very briefly, because you've covered this already in your other podcast, Ali, yeah, but I'd like to borrow a nice guitar to make this album, you know, because she had a guitar and it was a nice guitar, but it was, you know, it wasn't a super duper guitar. And so, so she asked Rory and Rory said, I'll make you one and let's make it specific to the area and try and get woods from the area. So he sent me an email saying, do you know anyone that would have a lump of wood that's maybe a couple of hundred years old or an old post in their house or an old barn or, or something. And, and so we're having a scratch around and I Facebooked all the, the people that I thought might have something. And, and our friend Tom up at Tor, who were doing, uh, doing the Fife Arms renovation, they had the old shelving out of the, the wine, the wine storage from the old hotel, which was all Scots Pine, which I would imagine came locally yeah. and still and had been shelves for over a hundred years in the in the hotel and still had all the markings from the bottles and stuff. So he turned that into the guitar. So that's the guitar that went into being um, on this album. Yeah. So super. Yeah, it's, really that's a, it's a great story that because I think it's an album full of details, full yeah. of little details, and that yeah. kind of little details uh, works mm. a treat. I um, little mid podcast review. That's Bowfin, by the way. <laughs> peanut butter milk stout. Not for me, thanks. So I'm going to have to switch beers at some point. Oh, really, Ali? Oh, Not bad. It has to be bad for that to happen. <laughs> I've seen you soldier on through worse. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, the smell. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like to talk about, uh, well, there's loads of people were doing online gigs and trying how, you know, find ways of kind of getting their music there. Particularly, I think when the first lockdown started, it was like, oh, how are we going to do this? And there was a you know great rush off them. And some people did them better than others. And I'm not going to mention loads uh, either way, but I just want to talk about one who seemed to do it absolutely spot on and who both of us have been regular attendees at. And it's Zoe Bestel and her mm -hmm. Wednesday night online gigs, where mm -hmm. she managed to create this kind of group of people uh, almost who would come back and say, hello, hello, how are you doing? It almost became a little community thing in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, um, you could win some prizes, and she had, uh, you know, just very natural charm talking between mm -hmm. the songs. The way that she sings, anyway, we've spoken about this before, very quiet, it almost draws you in to listen. Mm -hmm. And they were the kind of highlights of my week, I have to say. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I, I uh, tuned in for most of those when I could, and um, very much so. You feel, you feel quite uh, 
it's a great thing to be able to do that. Sorry, what am I trying to say? It's a privilege really to be able to, these incredibly intimate, one microphone gig, you know, um, and yeah. Yep. Sorry, Ali. I don't know where I was going with that, but no, it was very intimate, and it was lovely to kind of think, "Oh, we used to get a little um, alert one hour before." I was right. if you didn't have anything on, which you know most of us didn't. Let's face it. You're like, mm. "Oh, great! I can go and um, uh, catch up with all the folk who are watching a um, Zoe's gig." And it was. I mean, a few of them, you know, we knew anyway. But uh, no, it was. A, it, they were great nights, and I hope. I think there are certain things that will continue once um, things, if they ever do, get back to what we call normal. Um, and I certainly think some of those kind of online events will continue. And I think that's right. The, the ingenuity that people have had to, out of this set of circumstances, people have had to find a way of doing it. Some of them, we think, actually this is a much better way of doing it. This is getting out to so many people and it's not, we're not having to lug amps into, you know, although that's good, you know, obviously yeah. you can't be, you can't replace live music, but there is definitely a, a room for these intimate sort of person. Yeah. Bringing the songs out, maybe even before you, you, you know, see what people get some feedback, get, you know, how do you, you know, these songs aren't finished yet. What do you think, sort of thing, all that? Absolutely, and, and really respecting people's feedback from it. <laughs> okay, Andy, the next from you, I believe, is a, a, another look at uh, an anniversary thing. Oh, it's an anniversary one, because I'm... Uh, why look uh, forward when you can look back? Um, this this is my original copy. This is now 25 years old, which makes me feel oddly ancient, Ali, because I got this when I was a student, and this was one of my religious books almost you know and what is it um, for people who are sorry for people that are listening it is a year with swollen appendices by uh, brian Eno. it's brian Eno's diary he was he was approached by a uh, faber and faber to produce a book and he kept starting a book and thinking i really have to you know because he had the contract and so forth so started a diary and like most people he said um we started diaries and i know a lot about the january's in my life but, you know, this was the first diary kept right all the way through. And it's fantastic uh, to read from a 25-year perspective because he's talking about CD-ROMs and the internet is in its infancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, things that are... Uh, obviously, covers ambient music, but things like access thinking. There's a lecture on access thinking, which is where, you know you've got your X and Y and your, your things happen along with things. These, these are things I hadn't thought about. You know, I was very much right or wrong, black or white, you know, that kind of thing. But these kind of ways of thinking that he was examining, um, role-playing games and, and, and interactive CD-ROMs were the things. But to see where we are now uh, in a short period of time, uh, it's, it's, it's freaky, but it's, it's really worth reading. It's a great book. Very easy to read. Uh, Aris, I think that's based on Aristotle's rule of the mean that got X Y. Well, so there you go. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think it's a really interesting book because I remember reading it at the time based on your recommendation, and it yeah. felt like reading about the future. You know, Brian yeah. has always had this little bit of you know urbane spaceman to him. You know that yeah. uh, was kind of uh, slightly otherworldly, and now uh, um, I can imagine reading it again and going. That seems because 
nothing ages so quickly, I think, is technology. Mm -hmm. And him talking about those things, you go, what, CD-ROM? What, mini-disc? Well, yeah. And, and also he starts to talk about um, generative music, which is, um, or generative music, I think it is not generative music. Anyway, generative potato, potato, um, where he was explaining that it might seem alien in the future to listen to something repetitively. You know, you might set up the sounds, let them run with certain rules, and they would weave themselves into this piece of music, which would never be the same twice, you know, which, which isn't, a, again, isn't a new idea. It's not even particularly his idea, but uh, now these things are commonplace in the background of computer games and things like that. Things are set to run and run and run, you know, so, as long as you play the game, the music keeps crescendoing, fading out, fading in and all. So, so there's rules applying to the, to what's happening. Um, I, I'm a huge fan, so it's, and, and I love reading diaries as well because I think for me I'm not I'm unlike you, Ali. I'm not a huge reader, so um, that's uh, diaries are good for me to read. Um, okay, so the next one for me is something that we've spoken about uh, when we were doing the um, roundups um, of our favourite music, and it is getting interested again in Scottish hip hop. Yeah, man. So I know it's something that you've also kind of uh, uh, re-engaged with or just engaged with this year. I, I yeah, I found it this year. Literally, as a as a as a type of music had escaped me t entirely. You know, so, well, I um, listened to things like Loki and uh, uh -huh. Solar Eye and Hector Berserk, and you know, just as a kind of the ones that had kind of broken through a little bit or had yeah. some traction, and I've been to a few gigs and uh, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And I think last year it might have been, or was it the year before, Steg G won Best yeah. Hip Hop at uh, the Scottish Alternative Music Awards. So I thought, well, I better look into his stuff. And you're almost like the kind of gatekeeper or, or grandfather or godfather He's of the Scottish Hip Hop. He seems to be the key into the whole thing, really. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you check out his um, Spotify uh, playlist, um, which is a uh, exhaustive. It's great if you want to find out more about the because it was the newer guys. It was um, Vagrant Real Estate, and it was Word Jenkins, and it was Cryptic and Empress, and far too many uh, to mention. That you're thinking this is great stuff. And you made the point, and I've stolen it and made it elsewhere. Is they were rapping or uh, singing about things that were that were easily. Um, you know, it wasn't like West LA or something like that. It was, you know, West Kilbride or... Um... It, it wasn't a bitches, 40s and blunts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was about East Kilbride or, or, or you or know... Whatever they were from. It was just yeah, absolutely exactly. relatable is the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. And great stuff, really talented stuff. I would love to play more of it on the radio, but they, oh, they swear, man. Well, they do. They, 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 they have a... I don't know if they kiss their mother with that mouth, but they have it. All right. But, so, uh, absolutely. And in fact, some people I've I've gone, like, can I play the track? Is there swearing on it? And they go, Oh no, there's no swearing on it. And then you listen uh, and you go, Yes, there is. It's in a sample. It's not mm -hmm. you, but it's still swearing. Yeah. And uh, which uh, never mind. But it's all you know, it's great, it's very um uh, interesting, it's very creative, it's very yeah. exciting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting uh, into more of it in uh, 2021. Really uh, incredible writing for me, you know, because uh, the wordplay and, um, but in the Scots, it's not really Scots dialect, but you know, in the Scots, Scottish, 
yeah. Scottish slang and and uh, even as local as Edinburgh. You know, some of the words that are used uh, compared to Edinburgh to Glasgow. It's just it's fantastic. I really, really, uh, really enjoy it. Loki. Uh, when you're talking about Loki, his latest uh, video was incredibly powerful. Had me. Uh, had me quite moved with it, you know, the one about um, male suicide, et cetera. Um, that's worth checking out. But he made that himself because he thought, you know, you're not going to get funding for this video, um, you know, because it's, it's too heavy. But, yeah, it's that's the thing. I think it's, um, it's one of the most inventive, um, you know, types of music that's happening in, in Scotland today. And... Uh, and I think not enough, still not enough people know about it. And I include myself in that. I still don't know enough about it, but it was great to kind of start to... No, it's exciting. It's nice to feel excited about music yeah, again. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Andy, next one from you. Oh, right. Sound mapping. Yes, I'm interested to hear about this. Yeah, I wanted to talk about sound mapping. I'm, I'm hoping to start a sound mapping um, habit this year. And... Um, I, by doing that, you can sort of locate, geolocate the the sounds. You know, instead of on Google Maps pinning your um, photograph, you pin your your little sound file. And people have been doing it for years now. I just wasn't up to speed with it, but it was through a man called uh, Peter Pete Stollery, who works at the Aberdeen University and teaches the um, the sort of contemporary music uh, degree up there. Um, it's it's so much fun to go on. There's various different websites and apps that you can you can. I think you can actually just go through Google Maps, but you can come through different uh, sound maps and just click anywhere in the world and listen to a field recording of you know um, by a railway down in you know yeah. Texas or something, or or, or 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 you get the idea of Buddhist temple somewhere. It doesn't have to be just a field. You yep. know, Lawrencekirk or something. You know, so this has been one of my things that I've been doing, and I think, well, I want to, I want to go from consuming it to actually adding into it. So hopefully this year I'm going to go around with my um, my field recorder and start trying to get into the habit of making a recording. It'd be too much to do a day, but maybe a week, one a week, and 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 uh, pin those onto a, a geolocation type. Uh, Software so program. the uh, equivalent of instead of you going on your walks, daily walk or whatever, and taking pictures, it would be, yes. I'm going to do a bit of sound recording. Well, my habit is to go out and take photos for the Tundra Journal that if anyone ever looks at it is uh, on my Facebook site and uh, is on the Braemar Gallery site sometimes as well. But these are my photographs I take when I'm out in the morning and evening, out with the dog, really. But, you yeah. know, um, because you're out twice a day, invariably you see some amazing stuff. So I want to, I want to uh, take it a bit further and do it with the sound as well. So that's that's cool, what that's I'm great. That's, that's what I'm into. And because I've been revisiting uh, a couple of things that uh, David Toop's book Ocean of Sound, I'd been revisiting that. And Max Newhouse, um, uh, a piece that he made for Times Square, which was involved collecting sounds and things like that. So I've got really into all that again. So really fired up about all my old subject matter from art school. Excellent. Yeah, man. Well, we spoke about kind of the um, the pool of nostalgia and there was a lot of amazing um, releases, uh, re-releases. And one of them, or three of them, I should say, was the Marina Trilogy, 
from the Bathers. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Blues, Sunpowder and Kelvin Grove Baby. And I also managed to do a podcast. One of my highlights of the year was doing a podcast with the Bathers um, singer and founder, Chris Thompson, where he talked about these re-releases. For people that don't know, Marina Records is this incredible record label that in the 90s in particular just seemed to put out all these amazing Scottish bands. Um, Pearl Fishers, um, a James Kirk, who was in Orange Juice, um, Cowboy Mouth, which was Skin Skinner from Hipsway. Um, oh, God, far too many to kind of mention. Go, Google Marina Records and you'll see uh, Sugar Town. You'll see exactly um, the, the things that they did. And all the back catalogue is amazing. It's not just the Scottish stuff. But if ever a band was made to be done on vinyl, it would be the Bathers, I think, because very lush. And the, you can see that beautiful picture if you're looking on the Zoom version, um, the kind of sepia picture. And their whole style was was very visual. They had a very strong sense of style as well. Um, and yeah, so they decided they were going to put these out on vinyl. And I think it's been a huge hit. I know they've had to order kind of repressings and for people my age who were into them the first time round and maybe only had them on CD and now, you know, we're all about the record players and the vinyl. We thought, mm. yep, these are great and they are great to own, great to listen to again. And uh, and they're remastered. They're not just kind of thrown out again. They've been worked on um, and are sounding great. But, you know, like um, last night from Glasgow, we issued the Bluebells and a um, Sisters, which is a great record that I kind of missed the first time round, I have to admit. Um, it was great to go and listen to that. And also they're going to be doing um, Trash Can Sinatras and a mm. lot more. So I think this idea of, um, it's a nice, but you know, you, every life is a balance. And mm. I like to, you know, obviously the new stuff is really important to listen to and do it, but I think there's nothing wrong with kind of every now and again, you know, going back and enjoying your, uh, your youth, your youthful day. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, um, Andy, your next right. one, which is Brian, which is up to date, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's bang up to date because uh, it just came out, and uh, I think you were listening to this last night, Ali, weren't you? you uh, a couple of nights ago, over the weekend, yeah. Yeah. So, I actually have to read the title because I, I don't know. I've just been listening to it and I didn't know what it was called. But it's "Says the Never Beyond" by Bert Ellen. Yeah, it's a Bert, magical record. Yeah. Um, and it really is because I like my Christmassy stuff, Ali. As you, you do, know. yeah. I like, I like a mince pie, and um, I do like my Christmassy stuff. But this is the old Christmas songs, you know. They're really verging on, uh, you know, it's sort of um, it, it's sort of pagan forebearers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and uh, it's also incredibly. Uh, it's, it's quite dark, and uh, what have I written here? I wrote some notes here to say what I thought about it. Um, yeah, it's very sonically rich. You know, sometimes it will it will go off into this almost electronic sort of richness, and then these incredibly pure voices come out of it when they're singing. You know, some of our well, some of my favourite Christmas, like the Coventry Carol, which is there's none more dark, really. You know, when you're talking about what it's about, the content of the Coventry Carol and uh, blah, blah, blah. And the Cutty Wren, which I kind of knew from Robin Williamson's records. He has one out, which is uh, called The Winter's Turning. And he, that's on that. And um, uh, Corpus Christi Carol um, as well. So lots of stuff that you might already know, but done in... It's, it's a strange mix of incredibly traditional and 
electronic, which works really well. And I wasn't surprised to see that they'd worked with, uh, um, oh gosh, Alistair uh, Roberts. Similar kind of vibe off it, you know, that kind of dark witchiness. I think um, the uh, 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 everything I've heard from Bird Ellen over the years, and they have released uh, quite a bit, has been building up to this record. I think it's amazing. I'd listened to it, as you say, over the weekend, and um, just every time I, I heard it, there was something else going on. It's the perfect yes. record for this kind of year. If you, like Andy and I, do like that kind of oldie, worldy feel almost to Christmas, you know, it's not the, the new stuff, it's the dark and eerie and, uh, I mean, you know, Pops of delights, if you like, um, kind of with he not need money and a foldy roll roll. Yeah, exactly. That's that sort of thing. And uh, and this album, um, uh, it was absolutely perfect for it. Can you tell us the name of it again, Andy, so that uh, people yes, know? Yes, I can. The album. Oh, Craig, yeah. Try to open my beer. <laughs> you caught you caught me off guard. Um, says the never beyond. It's called, and yeah, cool. uh, there's a picture of it again. Absolutely. There you go. It's a fantastic album, and I'll probably listen to that tonight because I'm in the mood. But uh, yeah, no, great album. And uh, I've I've Did been you collecting. Say that Bordell and our Debbie Armour and Gail Brogan. Are, are I didn't say that. Brogan. Sorry, no, I'm, I admitted that. But um, the for years I've been sort of uh, amassing these kind of recordings. You know, looking at old old chants and plain song and. Um, uh, going right back, and so I have this catalogue of of this, but this seems to be like they've just hit the nail on the head of what I like, the sort of mixture of oddness and traditional ancient type stuff. Um, okay, Andy, I think, is it mm -hmm. me? It is me. So, again, over the last few years, if you've been following Scott Sway's podcast, you'll know I've done quite a few with Scottish opera, and I really get into my opera. I've been reviewing it, and I knew nothing about it to begin with, really. And mm. I uh, just kind of fell in love with it, the whole thing. Uh, and so the big one this year before everything changed was Nixon in China. And it was, as it says, oh, Andy's on the Raven, bourbon milk stout. We'll have a review of that after I've finished talking about this. Okay. So, um, Nixon in China, which was all about Richard Nixon's visit to China. And uh, you think, well, how's that going to make an opera? But wow, it, it, it showed exactly what Scottish opera does at its very best. It does these big, spectacular productions that are just sensational and every aspect of them. We've spoken to a lot of people who work across the different areas in Scottish opera behind the scenes, if you like. Every aspect comes together, whether it's the staging, the costume, the orchestra, the uh, performance, singing, of course, and uh, and the acting as well. People forget that, you know, these are plays as well as just mm -hmm. um, pure singing. It was a stunning piece of work. I don't know if you can get it online. If you can, go and check it out. But it was Scottish Opera's uh, production of Nixon in China. And uh, if that was the one they were going to leave us with um, wanting more, then they've certainly done that. It was superb. Mm -hmm. Okay, Andy, I think uh, the next one from you. Yeah, well, you've gone from quite a high culture to I was so excited. This is a book that um, I've wanted. Many, many people have wanted reissued. It sort of was in it was in libraries from the early eighties right through to probably mid nineties. Then it seemed to disappear, and it is 
you can just see by the cover, it is Ghosts, the world, the Usborne world of the unknown, all about ghosts. Now, and I remember book, that from the library when we were kids. Yeah, absolutely, Ali. So I knew this book inside it. You know, it's like I knew how it smelled almost because I just spent so much time with this book. And I, I, to see it again, it, it just brought such a smile to my face to have it. I mean, it, it's actually, it's not the hardback. It's a little bendy thing, but... And it has a new forward by uh, Reese Shearsmith, which ah. you know you can see. He, and he, like like me, spent his, his his young days reading these kind of things. But I think we were talking earlier, not on this podcast, but off off the podcast that um, uh, the, the libraries seem to have a horror section for children. And I don't think they have that anymore. But um, there was some horrendous, scary... That gave me the fantods for a long, long time. So I know that one um, inside out. But alongside that one, then they reissued this one. Oh, man! <laughs> oh, man! Wow! Yeah. So I got this the one know-how too. book of spycraft. Lots of secret yeah. codes, tricks and disguises. Yes. Yeah. And so And I used to do all these. You know, yeah. I would write little messages and screw them up into little bits of paper and put them in walls and God knows if anyone found them, Ali. But um, so that, yes, the, uh, the Usborne, the know-how book of, it's so delightful to see these books out again. And I bought them for my wee boy, but um, I really, I've, <laughs> I've, I'll keep them safe. Yeah. Mint condition. Yeah. yeah mint uh, condition. I think it's interesting going back to um, the, the, in the 70s, uh, in particular, I would say in particular, maybe going into the 80s, people weren't afraid to scare kids, like properly scare kids, you know, oh, yeah. almost mm. like mini horror movies and, and, and dramas mm. that were, you know, not just adverts telling you to stay away from pylons and, you know, don't talk to strangers and all that kind of stuff. So well, Andy well, and I was holding up Discovering Scarfolk. Yeah, well, that that leads me on to this. And I'm just going to quickly talk about this. I just brought it just in case. But these have been sort of diluted into these books. There's a, a website called Scarfolk, and um, they've produced two books. And it's very much of that ilk, sort of hauntology, the scarier side of the 70s and early 80s that we all grew up with. Um, they're quite fun. Uh, they brought out that one and that one. Um yeah, and, and they're really worth tracking down if you're into that kind of thing. Sorry, Ali, continue. No, that is good. Um, before we go into our next one, I'm, I've now switched beers to the Siren Calypso, which is, is very sour, but much, much nicer. I guess we, what we found out tonight is I much prefer sour to sweet when it comes to my beers. Is it totally tropical? It's a um, big punch, but I like it. Well, my ra raven... Raven Bourbon Milk Stout by oh, S43 Brewery. It sounds right. nice. That sounds right up my street, I have to say. Yeah. So next, I'd like to talk about... A that makes really good listening, doesn't it? Two people discussing their yeah, beverages. You know, we're, allowed to, we're, allowed to, we're, we're flagging up the beers. And Absolutely. A wee Christmas drop. So yeah. I to talk about a podcast, and it was my podcast of the year, and it was a sonic hug from Halina Rafai, um, which was on the Big Light uh, Podcast Network. And basically, these are mental health stories. She speaks to performers, musicians, writers, and other people um, who give very honest, very brave to do it, I think, 
stories about um, their a relationship with their mental health and the problems they may have had and how they're kind of trying to come to terms with it. And I think as you, you and I both know, it's really important not just to, to talk about these things, but also to listen to other people and have shared experience and think, oh God, that's not just me, that's other people are going through something similar. And suddenly that can help have a, a kind of weight off your shoulders. And that's what these do. And Helena just lets them talk. It's, you know, it's a, which might sound uh, obvious, but it's not. You know, often people want to have themselves in their podcasts and I might be guilty of that too. But actually just let, let, tell your story the way you want to tell it. And I mean, they're incredibly moving. Uh, and But they're, they're really strengthening, I think, not just for the people who are talking about them, but for me as a listener as well. Um, it's... Uh, they are incredible. It's called a sonic hug. Um, sonic. A sonic hug. And if you Google it, you'll, uh, you'll, uh, yeah, I don't think you'll regret it. Also, the podcast format's probably perfect for that kind of thing because it's, you know, it's such an intimate sort of, it's you and the listener, isn't it? You know, it's not like a, a broadcast as such. You know, you feel you're the only person listening to the thing. Like yeah. a friend talking to you sort of thing. Well, exactly. And you're not getting, you know, the news coming in or the, the weather coming in or someone thinking, oh, can you wrap up? I love, it's really why I, it's the perfect example about why I wanted to start doing podcasts was to let people tell their stories over the length of time it takes it to, for them to tell it as they want. And that's what these are so, uh, are so good at. Highly, highly recommend a Sonic Hug podcast, which... Um, Helena Rafai, who you might know better from Glasgow Podcast, um, has has put together this year. And I think there's going to be more to come in the new year too. Uh, a similar podcast I found, Ali, just as a note, was uh, the Griefcast. I can't mm -hmm. remember who does it, but there's one called Griefcast. And it's people talking, you know, about times of grief. And it's actually fantastically useful to know that you, you what you're feeling is not a lot, you know, when things... when when the poo-poo hits the fan that, uh, you know, there, there are people going through it and, and yeah. it's best to, best to find out about these things. Yeah, and I think it's one of the great things, as you say about podcasting, you can find podcasts about everything, you know, mm. like stone clearing or something like that. But ah. you, can, you can get into things that, you know, as you say, it's a sh that shared experience, whereas previously you maybe thought, oh, this is just happening to me and only me. And I think now we're, we're beginning to see that that's, you know, experiences are nearly, well, they are always shared with someone. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, it's your ninth. I think we're on to number nine, Andy. I'm nearly there, yeah. I'm nearly there. Um, right, so I rediscovered one of my art heroes again, looking back at my sort of student years. I found this book, which was like my Bible at the time. Um, it's called Tom Phillips' Works and Texts. And it's by Thames and Hudson. And I think you can still get it. And it's it's just all of uh, Tom Phillips's projects. And he's written up, he's actually written up the projects himself. And uh, I, honestly, I just never, never come across this approach before. And he just became my my tutor almost, you know, in that format. I mean, obviously I had very good tutors at Grace School of Art, right guys? But um, that was, uh, so that just Tom so much. Is a little bit of a, a pressing. So, so Tom, Tom Phillips is, what I knew, how I got to uh, get uh, to Tom Phillips was he taught um, Brian Eno when Brian Eno was at art school. So that's the connection. So, um, 
plus he's made um, records and it was all that, uh, I think it was Camberwell, um, it was all that process-based art that came out of the 60s and um, where the making of that was was the art. You know, the, 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 the product perhaps wasn't as important as the, the making of the art, the actual process. So um, some of these works are highly layered with their, with their um, uh, intellectual rigor, I want to say that, Ali. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's layers and layers and layers of meaning in these things. Um, but also some fun ones. The, one, of the, one of the projects is 20 sites in 20 years, which I've kind of taken into my own work, you know, is he takes the same 20 photos and the same 20 sites, and it's and it's actually now over 40. His son's taken over. But um, and it makes a, an amazing uh, read that um, there's lots. The other thing that he was obsessed with was um, postcards, and that's led me on to being obsessed with about 10 postcards, which I bought in about... 2001 in mm. Oxfam shop and there are uh, and the idea is that you can make your your apps all contained in there if you want it to be you know you can you can make your paintings about about these scenarios that are being acted out in these postcards you know or, or whatever you know, our childhood if you like is that right yeah, well, also setting up rules, you know, say, find a find a postcard for 10p in a local charity shop, you know, and 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 you set yourself a, a set of rules, a set a process to make something. So you, you need never be stuck to make anything. You wait for that um, um, inspiration, that flash of lightning. You don't need to because you can have rules and say, buy the first, like for this one, he said, buy the first book for a guinea or whatever it was at the time it's about and it was a victorian novel called um what was it called now a treated victorian novel the human well his version is a human moment it's actually called the human document but what he does is he's taken an, an existing book and mined it for new stories Right. And so he's picked out new stories out of the, the pages of the existing book. And he's now done it about five times out of the same book and have five different stories with all the artwork, you know, so incredibly cre uh, productive way of working. So Tom Phillips, words and text. I, I've been going back to that. Yeah. Sorry if I went on a bit, but that's... No, no, that's that, sounds, that sounds good. And a really interesting way of a practical way of kickstarting your kind of art, whatever it might be. Well, you can see how Brian, you know, got the ideas of setting systems in place and, you know, setting out the seeds for ideas and then letting it um, weave its own thing. The artwork almost creates itself. You just have to follow the rules, you know. Fascinating. Anyway. Right. Well, I would like to talk about, this has been an amazing year for Scottish writing and uh, Scottish literature. And we've mm. done two best of... Uh, books, podcasts, which you can still catch up with, uh, with uh, friend Rick, Vicky Riley. Um, and the reason it's two, because there's just so much to talk about, we ended up um, mm -hmm. over two um, separate hour-long podcasts. But maybe the highlight of the year uh, in terms of um, profile was Shuggy Bain, Douglas Stewart, Shuggy Bain winning the Booker Prize. I actually mm -hmm. met someone today who said they were at Waterstones and Silverburn, and everybody in the queue had a copy of Shuggy Bain under their arm, and there was posters up saying, get it there. So this will be making a huge difference, and because it's a very, very good book. 
I read it a while ago now, and I have to say I had some issues with it. But the longer I've gone on thinking about it, the more I think, no, I was wrong. This is a really good book, and there's also, and I'll do a review of it. And people can, you know, find out why that is. But in terms of profile of um, a, a nation's literature worldwide, to get the Booker Prize win does no harm at all. It really does kind of. Um, send other writers then people will it's a bit like when um a scottish band hits big and then suddenly all the AR people divert you know go in the town that they're from and think well we're looking for the next orange juice or we're looking for the next right. mm -hmm. aztec camera or something like that so mm -hmm. there are a bit of that so there was loads of great books come out this year andrew hagan's mayflies i think you andy would really enjoy i have to say mm -hmm. i know it would make you great and um, you had Graham Armstrong's The Young Team that came out, and Peter Ross's book about going around cemeteries, which was his non-fiction book, which is a great uh, book. And, oh, far, uh, Scabby Queen, um, Kirsten Innes's, um, but there was far too many to mention here. Go to our Best Books podcast and you'll hear us talking about much more of them. But, um, yeah, I could not talk about Douglas Stewart's Booker Prize win with Shuggy Bain. Mm-hmm. Okay, Andy, uh, it's your final choice, I believe. My number 10 is uh, this that came out just at the end of last year. Is, and, it, is uh, it an album? It is, Ali. I was going to talk about the book. There's a new book um, called Inside the Box of Delight, I think it's called, but that's not. it's not arrived yet. So no. I got this, and this is fans of this, The Box of Delight's BBC's version. Um as it's Christmas, um, fans of this are waiting for this music for 30 years mm. and saying, why, why isn't there a record of this? You know, you can get the bit at the start, which is a classical rendition of, uh, uh, I can't, it's a carol symphony. Um, and, but they didn't have the incidental, which is amazing music because it's, it's that weird, like we were talking about, the weird sort of mid-80s, mid early-80s, Oh, we can afford a, an oboe player and we can afford a harp player, but we're going to do the rest with synths and radiophonics. So that, and this, they just put it together so nicely. Um, the actual packaging, yeah. um, the whole thing, it's, is it one record? Yes, it's, no, it's two records. It's two records and uh, it's just a really nicely put together thing. And uh I got it on CD as well, just in case, but um, I don't play CDs anymore, really. For those who are not aware, um, and there will be some, what is the Box of Delights? We we have tried to watch it at least every Christmas since it kind of came out, I think. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, would it, what did it come out? 84, 85, something like that. And uh, before that, there was a radio play, which a lot of people loved. In fact, the uh, the guy that plays Abner Brown in the uh, BBC one, he used to listen to it as a as a boy. He said oh, so. Right, he right. He, ins he insisted that music was the same at the start. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's a, a novel, a children's novel about Kay Harker and uh, his Christmas holidays, and is it a dream or isn't it or is it? But um, he, he, his adventures on his Christmas holidays, and he meets a gang of lubbers and pirates, and um, they uh, get up to no good. And then he meets the Punch and Judy man, who has a magical box and uh, gives it to Kay to keep for him in case the baddies get it. And uh, spoilers, 
Oh, shitting hell. Yes, of course. Um, sorry, guys. But uh, it's, uh, it, no, it's fab. It's, it's, it's one of my favourite things. And uh, it's one of my uh, pleasures at this time of year to watch that. And uh, and a bit like the Bordellon uh, album that we spoke about, it's got that mix of Christmas as a, as, as a Christian festival, I suppose, but also something weirder and older and, and more... That's right going on as well and the, the two kind of clash and don't quite fit together uh yeah. i think is uh which is lovely mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's one of my favorites and uh it's just so nice to have the music in one place uh, yeah music is amazing it's an amazing thing yeah. okay well my final choice is um well it's two i'm going to reference two of my um heroes um one was at the very end of uh, last year on the 29th of December. Um, unfortunately, Alistair Gray passed away. Alistair, who I was lucky enough to do some work with and, and edit um, his book off me and others. I co-edited it. Oh, really, I did not edit it. It was all Alistair that was doing it. But um, yeah, it was very sad, the passing of a truly great man, an absolute genius and uh, um, a figure central to Scottish arts, not just Scottish writing or painting, but Scottish arts in general. Um, so I just wanted to note that. And next year will be the 40th anniversary of the publication of Lanark, his great debut novel that took him a long time to, to write and get out there. And there'll be a lot of things celebrating that, um, including some podcasts. So uh, listen out for those. But uh, yeah, that was, um, it was a very sad way to start what became, you know, an even crazier year. But uh, yeah, I had to, I couldn't not um, note the passing of um, the great Alistair Gray. And last year also was the centenary anniversary of Edwin Morgan, Alistair's great pal, and mm -hmm. one of uh, the great poets, the first ever Scottish macker. And uh, there were lots of celebrations. Unfortunately, a lot of them had to be cut short because there was going to be lots of live events and conferences at unis and things like that. And But it all kind of went online. Um, the Edwin Morgan 100, if you Google that, you'll be able to catch up with a whole load of things. Um, Polygon released this lovely little box set of uh, themed uh, as poems, Space and Spaces, Take Heart, Menagerie, Scotland and Love. And they've all got different um, introductions in them. And uh, it's not expensive at all. It's well worth getting. Um, it comes in a nice little box set and it's um, 20 Edwin Morgans. It's just um, a lovely selection of stuff on Polygon. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to celebrate two great Scottish literary figures and Scottish cultural figures um, at the end there. Mm -hmm. I think that's us, Andy, unless there's something else you want to uh, talk about. No, not, not really, Ali. I'm, that's me. I've got my I've, I've left it all out on the ice. Excellent. That's, that's what we like to hear. Well, listen, uh, all the best um, for Christmas when it comes around. And thanks for doing these, um, not just today, but earlier in the year. Yeah. And it's a shame we won't be together, but uh, that's uh, it's going to be the first, well, yeah, one of the first ones we aren't together, but the, we, we shall be... Uh, we shall be doing you a podcast on Christmas morning, just <laughs> as an experience. <laughs> well, can you imagine how insane that would be, a live feed? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, dear, oh, dear. For all sorts okay. of reasons. No, I'll yeah. be in touch. And uh, Merry Christmas to everyone uh, and a Happy New Year to that's listening. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back in the new year with um, someone completely different. Cheers. Wow.